0: Welcome to this week's episode of Artist to Artist presented by Artist Republic. We are chatting with Larry O, a producer, engineer and artist based out of Providence, Rhode Island. With two songs over 1.5 million streams, he has successfully shown how independent artists can grow their careers through high-quality music and hustle. While he is not working on his own music, Larry O is a leading producer and audio engineer working with some of the biggest sample packs, beats production companies in the world. Today, we will dive into not only growing your own your own production quality but the world of professional audio engineers and producers. As always, if you didn't get your free coffee last week, if you review it this week and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends, we will really appreciate it. And maybe it'll be another hidden prize from Christian if you do that. So with that being said, let's get on to the show.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, first, first of all, what's up, everybody? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I started out in music – long time ago, probably like about 15, 16 years ago, I started making beats. Uh, I got with a couple of friends. I joined a band. Um, I started playing drums after I learned how to, you know, make beats and stuff, joined a hip hop metal band. And we did a lot of touring. We did regional stuff first. We did, you know, just up and down the coast kind of thing in New England, stayed, stayed regional pretty much. And then, We ended up getting signed to a small management company, eventually left them, got signed to a independent label that Ben Bruce started from Askin Alexandria. We were the first band that he signed. We went into a nice big studio in Long Island, recorded an album. Uh, We went on warp tour 2014. And then all along during this whole time, um you know, getting better at beat production and mixing, mastering, recording, all that good stuff uh, was my side hustle pretty much where I didn't have, you know, a normal job per se. I was always just trying to hustle. I was at local shows a lot, meeting and networking with a lot of other producers and engineers and artists that needed studio time. And eventually the word got around and people started hitting me up for studio time. So that's how I could make my side money And, uh, in the meantime, you know, building the band up, building that, that name up, touring around after Warp Tour in 2014, we did some venue tours in, uh, long story short in 2017, the band stopped. And then I had to just kick it into overdrive Mm -hmm. and for my, for myself, my own brand, you know what I mean? So I did that. I was started posting a lot more on Instagram Um, In the meantime, me and Peter Piffin, like you said, with Lopside, we started around 2016. So around 2016, 2017, that metal band stopped. I was still doing some side projects with Piffin and Lopside, put out Happy Camper. That did a lot, did a lot of numbers on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still doing the beats, mixing, mastering. I wasn't doing any tutorials yet. Then, you know, last year, about a year and a half ago, so May, 2019, I started putting out tutorials Mm -hmm. and that's when everything started really taking off for me on social media, on Instagram specifically, I was just putting out pretty much like, you know, every few days I was putting a a one minute tutorial up on Instagram of uh, like how to, you know, make beats in, in uh, FL studio, how to mix master record vocals inside of FL studio specifically. And things just started really taking off from there. Like, Producers were really loving the content, and I decided to you know ramp it up go one piece of content per day at least on Instagram. I've been doing that now for about eight or nine months straight and pretty much haven't missed a day of content on there and on alongside there just trying to build the brand up, trying to provide you know value to the producer community right now, building up my online presence, my YouTube and you know email lists all that good stuff you guys know a lot about that you know. Yeah, branding branding, and the business side of things.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. That's
1: where I'm at right now, pretty much. I mean, that's a long, long, long story kind of short, you know?
0: (laughs) No, and I I think that also kind of gives, like, context to people because I feel like artists are very easy to look at artists, independent artists that are starting to succeed. And they're like, oh, this guy's doing it. I can But, like, they don't realize that, like, it's taking you 15 years. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, you know, it, it takes a while. Um, and so, you know, speaking of numbers, let's, let's play the numbers game here for a little bit. Uh, How long did it take you to get to the point where you were generating millions of streams on Spotify and also get to the point where you have 140,000 followers on Instagram and obviously majority organic, you know, how'd you get to that point where like you were able to say like, look, I'm actually just growing my career from putting out good content. Like you know, what is your tips for other artists that are like trying to do the same thing and grow their career through just being reliable and good content?
1: Yeah. So with the, uh, with the Spotify numbers, it was pretty much completely organic when we, when me and Piffin put that, we're about, we're creating that project. It was seven song EP called happy camper. And prior to that, like with the band, I had some like decent numbers with the band, but nothing ever came close to this this project with Piffin and uh, we eventually became Lopside. but all I really did with that was after we, after we were done recording, mixing and, you know, editing the whole EP, I was like, yo, we can't just drop this and expect it to blow up on its own. Like we know what we have here. We know we have something really good here, but we can't just drop it on our own pages with 500 followers and expect it to like blow up. We have to, you know, we have to, send some emails or something we have to see if somebody wants to promote this somebody, if somebody wants to sign it to their label. So that was in the SoundCloud days when SoundCloud was popping like crazy. It was 2016. So SoundCloud days, I mean, SoundCloud's still pretty good now, like for discovering new music. But at that time I was just sending a bunch of emails out. Finally came across this one dude Not many people answered. I think only two people answered, and this dude was one of them. He had a page that had maybe ten thousand followers on SoundCloud, and he's like, "Yo, I love this EP from top to bottom. Can I put it on my page and promote it to my audience? And you know, I'll link everything. And we're basically we're just going to use him as a platform to push the music to a bigger audience. Because I'm sitting here saying a lot of a lot of artists and a lot of producers be like, "Yo, I want all those plays on my channel." And I didn't care about that. I just wanted people to hear it. I just wanted people to listen to it. And in the meantime, I, I, I dropped everything on, you know, I think at the time I was using TuneCore. I dropped everything on TuneCore, put everything out to the stores and just let him push it on SoundCloud. And all we did was push SoundCloud. And in a matter of a week, I think, Elevated started easily, easily becoming like the top song on there. And he had a network of reposting. I don't know if you're, you guys are familiar with how SoundCloud works where you can like repost. And he had a lot of, uh, a lot of friends on there that he would trade reposts with. So that's what really popped it off, but it got it in front of those people that, so it, it got it in front of, of enough people where it could take off organically from there. You know what I mean? So it, it just needed eyes and ears and he gave it those eyes and ears and then it just kind of took off and then, within a week i think we had like a hundred thousand streams a hundred thousand plays just on elevated alone within a week or two and we noticed like quickly like yo this is the one people started hitting us up to see if they wanted to use it in their vlogs and whatnot Mm -hmm. so uh then i checked on spotify and spotify had more numbers than soundcloud did and we didn't even promote at all on spotify people okay. were just organically finding it because they were hearing it on SoundCloud discovering it there and going over to Spotify to save it and yeah. you know yeah. to keep it in their phones because i think it's a little bit more convenient with Spotify as far as listening goes and yeah. So yeah that's that was that was how we got the the numbers uh on that EP really it was just a matter of hitting somebody up that wanted to sign it so to say and promote it and that really oh, gave it gave it the boost that we needed to get in front of people.
0: Hell yeah. And um, I mean, that's something like what you said too, that was important there. You were like, I don't care about, you know, linking it to me. I just want people to listen to it. Uh, And that's a big thing that like a couple other artists have said, where they're like, look, don't copyright your music too soon because you want people to put your song in their YouTube channel because they know that there's not going to be a YouTube copyright claim yep. and they want to use your song because of that. Exactly. And then they're going to use it and they're going to, you know, they probably are going to grow their fan base for their YouTube videos because they want to grow it and they're using your music. And if it's consistent where they're not getting copyright claims, well then now your music is getting new areas. It's getting new listens. people so people are like, Oh, what's that song? I wonder what that song is. And you know, like a lot of times, like, you know, for us, we actually, for a lot of times, for people that distribute their artist public, you know, we distribute your music to Shazam and we distribute it to every network. So, you know, and we remove the copyright blocking unless you request it. Yeah. And we suggest you don't request it for, you know, YouTube and SoundCloud because now you have a YouTube channel that reposts your music and then people are like, Oh, what's this song? So they take on Shazam. And they're like, you know, Hey Siri, what's this song?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, which is all powered by Shazam and it grabs that song, which it has because it knows, because we've distributed it through Shazam. And now you now that person's gonna go to Spotify or Apple Music and you know save your song. And that wouldn't have happened if you cared more about monetizing YouTube than just getting the exposure, um, because you can monetize later. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's true in a lot of areas of life when you're trying to succeed. It's like, don't try to make money too early um, where it's like, if you just focus on the craft and getting exposure, you know, the money will come. Um, and I think that's a big thing. And like, you guys are a perfect example of the living case study of that happening.
1: Yep. And yeah. And even though it was four years ago where, where I had that mentality, it's still, it still applies to today. Mm -hmm. And you gotta you gotta look at it at exposure as being, I think, at the beginning, more valuable than money. Like if you're gonna get if if you're gonna have somebody put it on their YouTube channel and use it in a vlog and you wanna cut of that advertisement money, it's not gonna compare into the value that you're gonna get from exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, there's gonna be channels that are gonna say, Nah, you know what, I'm not giving up my ad revenue mm-hmm. for this one song, I'll find somebody that doesn't have yeah have the YouTube content ID on it. I'm just going to find somebody else that fits the vibe. That's it's not going to cost me anything. I'll get all my ad revenue and you could have gained so many fans, which we did because of that reason, because one of the sole reasons I think it started blowing up on YouTube is because this YouTube channel called Metis, it's a German, uh, like motorcycle brand. He's a really cool guy. He like, I think is one of the main reasons that we have so many numbers uh, like such high numbers in Germany. And he hit me up and was like, yo, can I use this song in my vlog? I want to do like a, a 2017, a 2016 or 2017 uh, like recap. And I want to use it for the whole video. I said, yeah, man, do it up, like use it for the whole video. And at that time I noticed that I, I, I didn't realize that I had that content ID, but then at, right then and there, I completely took it off like right away. So I think I went in and I just completely got rid of it because I, I realized I, what I was doing. You know what I mean? I was so new to it that I didn't even realize what that was, but I realized that I had to whitelist his channel and I'm like, yep. yo, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep doing this every time somebody wants to use it. So I just completely took it off. Yep that way anybody could use it. And it just started, started taking off there and it just, you know, it doubled, tripled the numbers. Like, honestly, you know, that song elevated right now is probably going to hit 4 million streams soon on, on Spotify by itself. And that's all organic, all just like no money behind advertising, nothing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, And I mean, I guess, kind of you know going off of that too um is the importance of you know networking connecting with people to share your music Um, you know your music does not it can quote unquote grow by itself it doesn't grow by itself um i think a lot of artists produce really high quality good music um and they kind of just throw it at the wall and then they're like next project and it's like well you haven't like i'll never forget it there was there was this game that i played on pc as a kid um and it was like one of like the dumb construction like tonka games when you're like five years old and when you were working on a building and you would try to move to the next there was this guy's voice would be like finish one job before you start the next and that is such a good lesson that i think a lot of artists need to learn it's like finish one song all the way through before you move on to the next
1: yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that don't means promotion growth. too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Don't just yeah. throw it at the wall and then, you know, let it stick. Because yeah. and even like elevated, I mean, how long has it been out? It's been out for a few four years now. Yeah, um, and it's, you know, still breaking streams because that initial growth. You no, know, you didn't get four million in a week, but now over four years, you know, you've gotten a million streams around a year. Um, and that's consistent income and revenue that's coming from that music. Um yeah. That I think a lot of artists will never get to that point because they don't see it through. Um, but prior to that, going into your you know audio production and stuff like that, is artists seem to focus a lot on and kind of skip the production quality. Uh, and I talk to a lot of artists about that, where you know they'll send me a song and they're like, "What's your thoughts on this?" And I'm like, "Dude, your lyrics are good, your beats are good, but you missed the audio process." Where like, and I always say this to people, it sounds like your lyrics are recorded on top of the song. And that's when you know that it's not a professionally done song. You want your lyrics and your audio to sound like they were recorded together. Yep. Um, and so, like, what's your advice to artists out there that, like, don't think that they need mixing and mastering and don't think they need that professional touch?
1: Um, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's crazy because you hear some songs blow up that you know, sonically sound like crap, but they blow up. So it's, it's hard to say, you know, you, you, in order for your song to blow up, you need to have it professionally mixed. But I mean, it does need to sound somewhat good that some people will get turned off the majority of songs, unless it's just a hit, no matter what, you yeah. know, like some songs are just a hit, bad recording, good recording. It doesn't matter. Um, But a a, a finished polished mix is definitely gonna, you know, stand out to somebody and it's, in my eyes it's really important and it's not that expensive like it used to be back in the day to get a a really good polished mix it's really it's it's really not that expensive and it's just a matter of finding the right person for your sound but a lot of artists don't have that ear they just they they they're just listening but they need somebody in their corner that can tell them honestly hey like you i think you need to get this professionally mixed i think if you can't You know, if you can't hear that, if your ear isn't trained for that yet, I think you need, like, find somebody that, like you, you know, somebody that will give you that honest advice. Like, hey, I think you should find somebody that can professionally mix this for you. I think it'll bring it to the next level. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. But in some cases, you know, just like anything else, it's proven that a bad mix can blow up, too.
0: Yes. Yep. And, but... I, my, my stance on it is yes a bad mix can blow up but I also think like what you said it can turn people off I think it can turn off your avid listeners because yeah. avid music listeners can tell production quality For and sure. so like me when I hear a song that has the insane production quality and not just on like mixing and mastering but like the care and attention
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: you know you can tell it's like it something just clicks in your brain and you just like inherently enjoy it, where it's not just like it's a bop and it's like, yo, I'm going to go get lit tonight for the song but then forget about it next week. Um, you know, there, there's a big difference in that. Um, and I was actually talking, we had uh, this guy on a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the production quality of Chris Webby. Um, and we were talking about how he has a very interesting process because he's still putting out songs every week. But he minutely focuses on every single stem, beat, progression, every single part of that song, he breaks down analyzes. Because when you listen to it, it's just all of his songs have something you're just like, it's good. Like you just, yep. there's so many qualities to it that like every single part has to be hit. Um, and like even I was, I was explaining to one of my friends the other day, because he was like, I don't get how you see this stuff. Um, and I, I use an example from uh, one of my favorite artists is Whit Lowry. Um, and uh, we were talking and I was like, look, you listened to him four years ago. Um, and I was like, here's how his choruses are built. They're very flat line, normal, independent artists coming up, you know, choruses. I was like, you listen to his latest song. I go, the first course is the same, the second course is the same, the third course has little beat indents. And I was like that little bit of a difference makes that ending kick to a song that you're just like, fuck, I want to listen to that again. Um, and it's like those little things, matter. Um, and like you said, professional audio engineering isn't that expensive like it used to be.
1: Um,
0: so, you know, take advantage of that and, you know, really hammer your song out.
1: Um, Yeah, And I agree. I agree. It's all those little details. It's all, it's, it's a lot of little details is how I like to explain it to a lot of people where, where I'm either mixing their song or if I'm teaching somebody, you know, in a, in a, a private lesson or whatever, I, I, I always stress the fact that mixing and editing is just a lot of little tiny details mm-hmm. and you combine those little tiny details over the course of a whole song and it makes a huge difference. I was just working on a song that I've been, I recreated the beat for. Uh, from my bro, uh, Kai Nathaniel. And we're working on a project, a whole bunch of songs. And we had, he he had originally recorded um, a song over this beat, and then didn't like the beat. And he's like, yo, can you make a beat from scratch around these vocals? So I did that a couple weeks ago. And I literally, every, like, every few days, I'll just come back to it and touch up little tiny things. Like today, I just went in and and I uh, touched up a bunch of stuff, it, but it was like little things, but it's still, I was working on it for almost an hour and a half. Yeah. But It was a bunch of these like little tiny details, drops, little drops at the right moments, uh, mm-hmm. some sound effects, um, like a new drum section that came in with, you know, this boom bap section. Cause it's like a trap beat, but I have it now going back, back and forth between trap drums and boom bap drums. And it wasn't like that before today. And I already been working on it for a couple of weeks. So it's just those little tiny details that, and, and the other thing too, is just giving songs time. Like don't, mm-hmm. don't rush them, but don't hang on to them too long where you're picking them apart and kind of mm-hmm. ruining them, ruining them over time. Yep. I like to work on something for a day, you know, for a couple hours. And then I, and, it, and it's easy for me to do that now because I have so many things going on, but I'll, I'll, I won't listen to it for five days to a week and then come back to it. Mm work on it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and and I totally I totally agree with that. And that, that's been brought up before, where it was like, don't overanalyze your song. Just make it the best you can be, but then put it out. Like, if you're consistently working on that song for like three weeks, like, stop. Yep. <laughs> like,
1: right.
2: and see what happens. Yeah. Um, like, like, that's the thing with, I mean, any creative industry in general, Um, is you know you can work on something and you can work it to death and you can just beat it over and over again whether that's a song or a video or a photo but there's got to be a point where you just got to stop yourself and say okay i think this is good enough and i'm proud of it so i'm gonna put it out but you know you could come back to it a month later and say oh shit wait i want to fix that and now you know it's like it's already out so why would you fix it (laughs) Mm -hmm. um You know, I'm glad that we're on this uh, kind of part of the conversation because, you know, my background is in, you know, visual media. Um, But, you know, the same terms apply, right? Where, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a camp of people that think, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of content you're putting out as long as you're putting it out consistently. Um, And honestly, in my opinion, I think that that is bullshit. I think you have to have a certain level of quality to your content before you can put it out to the world. Um, So, you know, my, my question for you uh, is really kind of, you know, where do you sit with that? Right? Like, um, are you more of a content over quality person or content over quality, quality over quantity person or do you kind of like sit in between? I know uh, at the very beginning of the conversation, we were talking about being able to
1: consistently put stuff out daily.
2: So I'm just kind of curious to see where you, where you're at with that.
1: Um, yeah. And it depends what a lot of people's opinion of quality is, you know, what's, what's, what's somebody's opinion over uh, about quality? What is, Mm -hmm. what, what is quality to you is quality. The, the, um, the content itself is informative and valuable? Or is it, you know, oh, it has to look perfect. It has to look like a professional edited this video. For me, the quality of the content was in the information. I considered my content quality when I was first dropping it because of the, the information that was in it was really valuable. And I, know that I, I knew that I wanted to put out valuable quality content now if you look back at you know when i first posted one of my my first tutorials a year and a half ago compared to what they look like now they look like shit back then but the quality in my opinion not the visual quality but the actual quality of the content mm-hmm. was great to me in my opinion and it still is cuz i can still post that same video today and get a great reaction on it it'll look better today but it didn't matter that it wasn't edited by a professional video editor. It was edited by me. I just needed to get it out there. I needed to figure out how to edit videos enough to get the point across in one minute. Yeah. Right. And right. as, as far as that goes, like the, qu- the, the quality of the content in that regard has to be great if you're going to put it out, but you have to try different things. You're not going to put out the best piece of content first time around. You have to try different things. I tried, I knew that maybe three years ago I was trying to go hard with Instagram and trying to really make a difference and, and make an impact on there and grow a following. So I tried a bunch of different things as a producer and it took, you know, until a year and a half ago to really start showing some real growth on there yeah. with the tutorials.
2: Yeah. I and I, that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. No, I was just going to say, like, I completely agree with you and you know, Uh, i think the point to take from that is you know if you're just getting started um in any regard with content Mm -hmm. whether that be music or video or photo whatever um always start like with the informational quality and then build up to the visual quality Um, i I think if you try to focus too much on the visual quality at the head of it you're going to miss the point of even posting Mm -hmm. it because you're not going to have that information there that is what brings people into your brand in the first place
1: hundred percent because a lot of people get wrapped up if i got wrapped up in that i wouldn't have put my first video out and i don't know where i would be right now if i was too mm-hmm. wrapped up in i have to find a lot of people will wait and hold off on putting content out even though they have a great idea but because they're thinking too much they're beating themselves up about having content that doesn't look like somebody else's that has an editor that pay, that has a budget to pay a video editor or a graphic designer
2: right
1: i didn't have any of that when i first started doing these i didn't have the budget to do it i didn't have any of that but i still forced myself to put that content out i used my phone i still use my phone to edit all my videos yeah and i just you know i did what it took to to get the content out there
0: right. I'll that, you uh, gotta do I yeah. think that's the big kind of difference between quality content when speaking of like visual and mm-hmm. the value of the content on the internal yeah. um and i mean i even think so we have we have artist probably probably has i mean one of the biggest marketing budgets i've worked with um and we spend a lot of money time in ads and you know me and christian have been working on the creation of our ads for over a year now mm-hmm. um and the quality of the ads gets better every single month that we roll it out. But the value in it is the same and it's Mm -hmm. the same value. And all we're doing is, you know, yes, we're continuing to improve that value and figuring out like how ads works and like what terms give the best value in a 15 second snippet. And, you know, we're learning all that stuff, but it's duly noted that when you look at our ad sets on, you know, Facebook, if I took anybody into our journey, which I've never. Um, but you know, we just rolled out a whole new ad set the other day. Now with that being said, I still have an ad that running from January with the same objective and the same wording that our new ads are running on, just an ad video that literally Christian made last August. Mm -hmm. And if you had to say quality, like in comparison to our current ad quality, you'd be like, that ad ain't that great. When we first made, it, we're like, "This is amazing! This is awesome!" But that ad still performs well because it didn't matter about the quality of the video content; it was still delivering the same value that got someone to convert.
1: Exactly, uh,
0: and yeah, and that's a that's a big thing um, that I think need, people need to memorize in everything they do is yep. as long as you have value, you can not you know deliver the best you know content um and i think that's true in in all of our lives um you know how many people pay for value over i mean content i mean you think of i mean even think of in real life the dollar tree it ain't no pretty looking store no nope. but it provides value you know what i mean like you could go in there and get a steak for a dollar Like you know i don't know if you're gonna you know Feel great after that, but it <laughs> provides value, um, and they don't need to provide that content because they're providing high level of value. Um, and I think I think that's across the board with everything people do is like focus on the value over perfecting the content um, because sooner or later it, it'll come. Um, and I think you can always be improving content. Content is never done.
1: Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So. It's just like it's like a mix of a song. Yeah, you know, it's the same, same concept. It's never done. You can always improve it, but you got to put it out there. Why you can remix, see what works and what doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why you can always, you can always remix. <laughs> yep. And you can always add more and do it better. But exactly. yeah, I, I think that, I think that all, you know, kind of comes together. Um, with that being said, I'm going to pass over to Christian kind of for the final wrapping clothes as we get near our half an hour time slot um christian hit it with the last question my man
2: all right yeah so i like to ask this question to pretty much everyone that we have on the podcast just to you know see what we can get um, but you know in your eyes you know what is one piece of advice that you would give to any up-and-coming artist?
1: one piece of advice um, mm-hmm just one thing i think is like we just talked about is provide value and i can expand on it a little bit as an artist you you got to ask oh how can i provide value as a producer how can i provide value i don't like to teach people i don't like to i provide value in the way of teaching other producers and other artists that want to you know record themselves that's the way i provide value but you can provide value in the same way or you could switch it up, and you could still be providing value in comedy. You could be providing value in um, entertainment, in, in, in you know, music. People, your music, but you gotta you gotta figure out a way to showcase that in an entertaining way while providing value. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think and that's value actually is everything.
2: Yeah, and that's that's a very. Um it's a common theme that we've actually come across um, throughout a lot of these podcasts is somewhat, you know, sooner or later within our conversations, this idea of bringing value to the table always comes Mm up. Um, And I mean, there's something to be said about that. You know, if everyone's saying it, there's gotta be some truth.
1: gotta be exactly. I mean, when I look back and see how I've had, how I've gotten to the, to to where I'm at now, and it all it always stems from value in some way. You could look at it, putting a song out that somebody likes is valuable to them. They're gonna take three minutes out of their day. It needs yeah. to be good. Especially yeah. in the, in today in the, in 2020 where everything's moving so fast. Everybody hears a song, the first three seconds of a song and it better be good or else they're gonna switch it. Yeah. So it's like, how can you provide value in what you do? And that goes for anything. You know, you could be a graphic designer, a video editor, Mm -hmm. an artist, a producer, a mixing engineer, Mm -hmm. um, you know, marketing expert. It doesn't matter. How, how can you provide value in in, in what way in an entertaining way that you could grow an audience or create a a living off of it?
0: Yeah. I, I think that's true. Yeah. With, with any industry. I mean, even from like my personal experience in the entrepreneurial world, I mean, why do investors want to look at artists public? Well, we provide value to them. Why do artists want to use artists public? Well, we provide value to them. Why do you, you know, why are we working together on, you know, engineering stuff? Well, we provide value to artists, but like then as an engineer, like artists public has ways to provide value to you. Like everything we build is like, okay, who are we providing value to? And if Mm -hmm. we're not providing value, then, we shouldn't be building this because
1: this is not doing it. I mean, it. it's always the number one, it's always the number one question when you're trying to grow a business, when you're trying to become an artist, how do we get people to listen to our music? You yep. have to make it good. So it's yep. valuable to them where yeah. they're going to take that three minutes out of their day. And how yep. is Artist Republic going to grow as a company? We need to yep. figure out how can we provide more value to artists and producers? It's, a, it's the same concept I think with any line of work and profession.
0: Yeah. And I think artists need to think about that, that music true as value because that three minutes, you know, like I, I read something the other day is you should assume that everybody is worth $50 an hour, which means for every half an hour you take of their life, you should be providing $25 of value. And so for a three minute song, you should be providing $2.50 of value. Does your song, Provide two dollars and fifty cents of value to that user. What are they? Why are they listening to it? What are they doing with it? Um, and if you can understand that, then you're able to provide value and make a user a listener that's going to continue to listen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. With that being said, um, we're getting close to wrap up, so I will wrap it up here. Um, awesome talk with Larry O. Great guy from Providence. Um, a lot of you don't know, but the Providence industry is super underground and actually kind of super hot. So. Uh, <laughs> you know, bet you didn't know that, um, you know, anyone in Providence, you can find me, find Larry out here. Um, and with that being said, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you do this week, Christian will invite you over to his apartment to help him build some Ikea furniture. If you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, it's going to be a really fun time. I promise. Um, with that being said, that is another great episode of artist to artist podcast presented by artists in public. Get out there, follow Larry O on socials, check out all his stuff, follow Artist Republic, check us out, go help Christian with his IKEA furniture and give us a five-star review.